it was hard. It was hard mm-hmm. physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Um, I went through a lot of just trauma and really didn't have like an outlet to kind of even talk about what I was going through. We're going to go out on the field. We're going to score as many goals as we can. We're going to have fun. Oh, Becky, well placed. A large, large majority of those who have faced the athlete transition do so in quiet, without direction. Many do it in pain. That right there is one of my reasons behind starting this podcast that you're listening to. There seems to be this weird phenomena, at times I guess you could call it, around transitions, around experiences millions upon millions of people go through. Millions upon millions have gone through it, emerged on the other side, found joy and success and fulfillment in the after. So you will too. Just turn in your equipment, get through it, distract yourself, keep putting one foot in front of the other, and voila, a day will come sooner or later where the fog lifts. Classy James is one of those millions of people who has undergone the transition. However, she's very distinctly one in a million in that she wasn't okay with herself, her friends and colleagues, and the greater athlete community having to grit their teeth and bear this monumental life change without loud and proud support and resources. So, she did something about it. You might argue that the foundation for her incredible venture now as an entrepreneur began decades ago when she was just a kid with a ball and a bat and pom-poms. James really dabbled in all the sports growing up, but one in particular latched onto her heart, basketball. It was something that I started to like really fall in love with. Mm -hmm. And I was like the best at it. Like I was pretty good at soccer on defense. I would just kick everyone. (laughs) (laughs) like the skill that you actually need to be like an excellent soccer player I did not possess um softball was just a little too slow for me I would like pick the grass in the outfield (laughs) because I was like what am I supposed to do here so I I think basketball was something where it was like high energy high impact and I just became really good at it Mm -hmm. so I was a forward in soccer and it sounds like you were you were the type of defender that I really dreaded going against yeah you, you would have hated me you would have been like oh my god this girl here not, we go again i'm not le- i'm not leaving the game with without a, an ankle hurt or something i'm not leaving the game oh yeah contact. yeah like that was my mission like i was like if i can't score a goal someone's gonna get hurt okay no doubt many young soccer players legs in the bay area were salvaged when james saw that basketball was unique when it came to how she could maximize her potential she wanted to see how far she could take it if she really committed herself. Um, I probably decided that at, at, at like the middle school age mm-hmm. uh, when I realized I was like the best, if not one of the best, like in my grade at the school. I realized I had a really like, you know, had a talent for it. Um, my parents invested so much time, money and energy into developing my basketball skills, played AAU, um, played other basketball leagues. I think when I was like in middle school, I'd be playing on three different leagues, like my school league. Um, NJB, 
I don't know if that's still around today, but then also AAU. Mm-hmm. So like they just threw so much in cultivating me as a basketball player and I became really good. I started to get looks earlier on and even like middle school for colleges. So it was like, oh yeah, I definitely want to, I wasn't even thinking about college. I honestly was thinking about, I want to be in the WNBA. Like college was a no brainer. It was like, I want to become a professional basketball player when I grow up. Her dreams were big, but yes, the high school right to pro path is slash was not the traditional one in the women's basketball world. College ball would have to come first. She committed to Oregon State and played for one season with the Beavers before transferring to San Jose State. She started in nearly every game she played in when she did finally get to put on a jersey for the Spartans. She finished her second-to-last year at SJSU, ranked in the single-season record list for free throws made and free throws attempted. Though she held the Division I basketball player label, and clearly repped it well on the court, James had always strove to conceptualize herself as more than an athlete and her time on campus as being bigger than herself. So it was different at Oregon State versus San Jose State. You go from, like, a major school to a mid-major school. Um, I mean, I didn't really look... I mean, there were certain perks, you know, as athletes. Like, you get priority registration for school. Uh, people, like, respect you a different in a different kind of way, especially at Oregon State, because um, in Corvallis, there's no, like, major sports. So it was just Oregon State. Um but at San Jose State, I don't know. I just kind of like everyone knew I was an athlete. Um, but for me, it was always bigger than sports. So I was like heavy into like my academics. I was a finance major. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it didn't really matter when I'm in class because it's like we're all struggling um, to pass these, you know, pass these classes and stuff. But the way I looked at it was that I was a representation of, you know, the women's basketball team, also the athletic department. So I just always kind of, nature I was like on my P's and Q's even like on social media because we kind of were a brand right we were representing the academic um program at the university we were at so we just always had to be mindful of what we were doing what we were saying what we were posting um things of that nature and it was those ideas around being more than a basketball player that would be put to the biggest test at the end of that second to last year my career came to an end because of an injury. Mm. Um, I had a bone and cartilage transplant in my left knee. Wow. Um, so, like, my senior season, I didn't have a senior season. Um, I was preparing for, like, having, you know, just that last year. And I think I realized, because I had a lot of wear and tear on my body up at, up until that point, I had, like, a hip fracture at 19 when I made the um, the transition from Oregon State to San Jose mm-hmm. State. And so I had to, I, I had to sit out for a year because of the um, transfer rules, but you know, and so I was actually on crutches for six months because of the fracture in my hip. And then when I came back to play, it was like always playing catch up because once you're mm-hmm. out for a year, it's like your body takes a year to get acclimated and then you have, you know what I mean? It just sucks. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> like when my career ending injury happened, um, it was tough because I at least thought, okay, at that point, I know I'm probably not going to play um professionally but I at least wanted a senior season and so when I didn't even get that it was hard it was hard Mm -hmm. physically emotionally spiritually mentally um I went through a lot of just trauma and really didn't have like an outlet to kind of even talk about what I was going through I didn't have really a support system because even my parents 
as much as they love me, they didn't understand what I was really going through and how when you're no longer playing your sport and your career comes to an end and you don't get to decide that it's over, it's like a death. It's like an abrupt death that you weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was tough. I mean, even sometimes to this day, it's tough to talk about it because I still deal with like the lingering mm-hmm. issues from my knee and my hip. Um, everyone always asks me, oh, you're a former basketball player. Do you still play? And I have to go through the whole story. No, why not? Well, if you want my whole spiel, here it is. (laughs) Just start like handing out a pamphlet. (laughs) At this point, like my goodness, classy story. Here you go. (laughs) And I know people are kind of split on this when they have really, like you said, a jarring end, an injury like you're talking about. Um, Did you feel though that you wanted to be a part of the team your senior year and hang out with the same people and go to the games or were you, was that too painful? I know some people are, you know, they think that this is good for me to kind of still connect with that identity and that experience in the community by continuing to, you know, be a manager or help out the team in some way while others are like, no, I don't want that in my face because it's, it's too raw right now. And I, I don't want to be a part of it. Um, for me, I, I actually still wanted to be a part of the team um, because I was the team captain. Um, I looked at my teammates as like my little sisters. Um, you know, some of them I'm still really close with to this day. Um, but unfortunately, what happened was my coach at the time wanted to pull my scholarship and give it to a walk on. Mm. So um, simply told me, oh, you don't have to come to practices or anything anymore. Like you don't have to be associated with us anymore. And it was interesting because I was a transfer student, everything happened, um, like my two surgeries happened in 2014. And so, well, actually, no, the first surgery happened April of 2014. And I actually was graduating that December of 2014. So because of the way that, you know, the scholarship goes and we were on a semester, after that semester upon graduation, um, you know, the second half of my scholarship was up for grabs because they didn't want to give it to me and they thought that they could give it to someone else, but they couldn't. So that, that, that was just money that just went to no use. Mm-hmm. Um, so after my coach was like, oh, no, you don't have to be around the team. Um, it just made me feel like they didn't want me around anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of were ripping away like people that I had formed close relationships with. Um, I, had my, I had a best friend on the team and our relationship you know, became really rocky during like my injury and stuff. And our friendship never kind of got back to a place of us even being friends. So it was really hard because they were, like I said, my, like my sisters. And then when I'm no longer around them and I'm going through a crazy like transplant of like bone and cartilage into my knee, I had to relearn how to walk again. I was told that the, the doctors told me I'd never be able to run, jump or play basketball ever again. Um, And so to go through that process without, like, my friends, my parents love me, but they don't get what I'm going through, like, at all. Um, It was hard. And I just, at the end of the day, I just really wanted to be around, like, familiar faces that I thought loved me and supported me, but that wasn't the case. So I had to go through a lot of that by myself. Struggling. Cut off from an activity that had always been an oasis for her and the people a part of that. James found some semblance of comfort in that larger identity she had tried to gather a few pieces of while playing. She set out to find a job, looking to find some stability and silver lining in a space to which she could move on to. 
I had my major surgery in January. Then I started looking for jobs like February. So, um, and I went in to start having interviews. Um, end of February, I went into those interviews with like a leg brace on because I was like, I cannot just sit in my bed and um, just like think about like my new reality. So I started looking for jobs. And so then I got a job. So that was a coping mechanism for me was like throwing myself into work and just finding something to keep me occupied. She got a position at one of the biggest tech corporations in the world, Cisco Systems. And just that job at Cisco was working for her. Until it wasn't. It didn't take long for James to realize that she was not 100% fulfilled in her job. And that kind of is the reason why I created my business. Her business, an idea that sprung from a few specific issues of post-athlete reality many have trouble navigating. James saw that there were things missing, both within her personally and others around her. And there was not a whole lot available to them to fill those things missing in life after sport. Well, it was the fact that I was like sitting at a desk all day and I was like, oh my goodness. You know, <laughs> us as athletes, we're so active exactly, yeah. and we're like sitting down, I'm like, I'm getting antsy, uh, you know, this. And I was like looking around, I'm like the youngest person in the room um, as, you know, a woman, you know, who's African-American, I was the only person that looked like me in the room because I, I work in tech. So, um, I was kind of like, still am an anomaly, right? A millennial, a person of color, a female, um, in the technology. So one, I was very blessed to get the job I got out of college without having really any work experience. Um, two, what I realized was a lot of former athlete colleagues were asking me for help as to like help them navigate out of athletics into the workforce. Mm. And in three, I was bored and I wanted to pay it Mm -hmm. forward and help the community that I still belong to, which is the athlete community. So I went back to school, got an MBA. And while I was in my MBA program, I developed a business where essentially, you know, I'm helping other athletes like myself make that transition and send them up for success because how you define success after sports is not just a job. It's, you know, maybe it's mental, you know, health resources, maybe it's psychologists, maybe it's community. You know, I really needed a community. Um, Obviously, it's a job to help you pay your bills. But for me, it's deeper than a job. It's more like a career where you feel like fulfilled um, and you're happy. You feel like you have a purpose again. Rejiggering the elements of one of the most difficult periods in her young adult life into a purpose. Embodying the problem. And then, a few years later, working to embody the solution. James envisioned a company that would be, as the website now puts it, quote, a valuable resource for athletes in search of motivation, inspiration, and assistance as they prepare for life after sports. And this company would provide personal development ebooks and financial consultant services and apparel to rock and a community to normalize talking about tough topics and a place to help retired athletes really see all those transferable skills from sport that would give them an edge in whatever they took on next. Shakeout LLC was born. I always joke that if I had another podcast, I'd love to do it on just how companies and businesses got their names. Um, (laughs) Just little five-minute episodes. But I'm curious, yeah, how did you come up with with the name Shakeout? Yeah, it actually was something that my dad 
instilled in me when I was really young. Um, I told you earlier that I played all of these sports, right? And as you get older, you start to see like people that used to play with you when you were like maybe in elementary school, don't play in middle school. Um, there's a drop off and then there's a drop off from middle school to high school and so on and so forth. And so when I said, tell my dad, like, Hey, my friend's not playing this year. I'm not playing soccer this year. He was like, well, that's the shakeout. And I'd be like, what the heck is that? You know, like you tell like a, you know, eight, nine year old, that's the shakeout. And I'm like, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Like, um, and so he explained to me that what it is like, as you get older, classy, people are going to phase out of athletics. They're just going to drop off. Um, and so I was like, okay, whatever. Still, I was like, that makes no sense. Why can't you just say like, they're just not playing. So when I got old enough to like decide to like look into a, like a dictionary and def- like look at the definition of the world, the word essentially shakeout is talking about turnover in an industry. Um, so whether you're seeing people, you know, leaving a certain industry because of career changes, because they're getting fired or whatever, but the way that my dad applied it to was sports. He was like, there's turnover at every point, at every year, at every level, you're seeing turnover, seeing people being phased out of athletics. And so when I created my company, I essentially named it after my dad, something that my dad always talked to me about, you know, talking about the transition out of athletics. And so essentially that is shakeout, you know, it's just transitioning out but also like getting prepared for that transition and knowing that it's not bad it's just a new journey just like when you become you know a graduate at a university Mm -hmm. that's a shakeout you're no longer a student um so stuff like that and this young entrepreneur actually did have a decent grasp of the obstacles she might encounter diving into founding a startup well some of those obstacles so I'm from Silicon Valley. So I'm from like the heart of startups. So mm-hmm. I knew like the <laughs> fact that like <laughs> you weren't going to make a lot of money, you know, probably in the first two to five years. So I was prepared for that. Um, I think the hardest part for me is differentiating like people that maybe want to be a part of my company because they genuinely are passionate about um, the company versus people that are the best fit for my company. Mm-hmm. Um I think a lot of athlete friends or athletes in general are like, I love what you're doing. Like, how can I help and support in any way? And as a startup, you're like, I need help. Like, especially me, like I work a nine to five. So I'm like, I definitely am welcoming help. But then what I, what I started to realize is I was welcoming the wrong kind of help. Um, I love that people love what I'm doing, but that doesn't mean that they should work for my company. Mm -hmm. If they really love what I, what I do, just be an advocate for shakeout, you know, tell people about it. Um, support the brand in any way that you see fit. Um, That's probably been like the hardest thing because again, as a startup, you don't have a lot of capital to to pay people. I barely even pay myself to be honest with you right now. Mm -hmm. I'm getting to that point where we're starting to bring in money and everything through like our conference and other sources of, of revenue. But it's kind of like juggling. Do you, would you rather do it by yourself knowing that like you're okay with maybe not getting paid for a certain time period or do you want to bring on people where at first they're like, yeah, it's fine. Like whatever you can do, you know, to pay me, that's fine. But then, you know, time passes. And they're like, well, I'm not getting paid. And it's like, well, you knew what the situation was. <laughs> James has been pretty successful at mitigating these challenges since establishing ShakeOut less than two years ago. There's been a lot of big wins along the way that have pushed ShakeOut forward and truly inspired James. I asked her to share one of those wins. I think the biggest is me and my co-founder of the Life After Sports Conference rolling out this conference. 
Um, when we just, we haven't even officially launched. We officially launched the, the conference August 11th of 2020. Just doing like a pre-launch, the, uh, the influx of folks that want to attend or be speakers my has feed, been over. I have to, sorry to interrupt. I have to say that my feed for like, yeah, a couple days was just people resharing the post, resharing the story. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been like overwhelmingly amazing. Um, I was just like, wow, this is a huge need. Like, so I, I think there's so many businesses out there wanting to educate folks about life after sports, wanting to be consultants or coaches or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, us as former athletes want to do. And, but, but no one has put together what me and my co-founder are putting together an experience to bring all of us together that are online, that like it and, and repost each other's stuff in one space. Um, helping each other, but also helping the next generation of athletes prepare for life after sports. And so once we started to talk about this conference, I was like, wow, this is bigger than just what I ever imagined ShakeOut would be. Um, and to be able to have an event um, to bring everyone together is just, I'm like so excited for it, honestly. Yeah, and when did you get the idea? I, part of the thing that I think is so amazing about your your business is that there are these all these different these facets you know you have the clothing you have the consulting services you have the workshops when when did you decide that a conference was the next step I mean you say you everybody it's very much a virtual community so maybe it was as simple as let's get everybody in a room together (laughs) but yeah how did you guys come up with that idea and I guess what are your what are your goals um networking obviously is one of them but what are your goals for the conference yeah. So to your first question, um, working in tech, um, I've been able to go to a lot of tech conferences, whether it's a tech conference for minorities in tech, whether it's a conference for women in tech or just like different types of technology com- conferences for video conferencing or whatever, whatever nerd stuff that I like. <laughs> and I was like, you know, it's really cool that these conferences have an opportunity to like, you know, hire the next wave of techies um you you have college students that come to like cisco booths at like a conference for example like grace hopper grace hopper is the number one conference for women in technology and so we had this big cisco booth last year in orlando florida you know we did like interviews we were talking to like the college girls and stuff and i was like this is so amazing to not only communicate with the next generation but also be influential in their career choices because they go to your booth, right? There's plenty of other companies that they could choose from, but they're going to our booth. So I was like, this is super cool, but what would be cooler if there was an experience like this for athletes? Because for me, I know as a former athlete that I didn't see of any conferences for me when I'm about, especially talking about life after sports, especially like trying to help me find a job or help me like redefine who I am and the identity crisis and finding my purpose or my passion or to connect with other people that probably were going through the same stuff as me, that probably were afraid to speak up because the moment the moment that they spoke up, people would look at them like maybe they were weak or, or you know, just like a, there's a lot of ego um, in athletics and stuff. Yeah. And so that's when I was like, there needs to be an experience like this for athletes, um, made by athletes for athletes, because we understand what it's like to navigate that transition and we wanted to create something that was for them where they can kind of feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah and then so we have like four pillars for the conference and they're the same four pillars for shakeout um the first is the identity crisis because i think we all go through this um when we're dealing with the transition out of sport the second is transferable skill sets so we're educating athletes on the skill sets that you know we all possess as athletes and how they actually can set you up for success post-athletics no matter what industry you want to get into um the third is networking obviously i feel like every conference the intention is to network and to you know to gain um, more people in your network and build relationships and then the last is financial fitness Um, It's kind of a play on words. Um, Athletes are already fit physically, but being financially fit is equally, if not more important, um, because when you're no longer an athlete, you don't have that cushion of maybe your coach helping you with certain things or having, you know, if you're a scholarship athlete, having that monthly scholarship check. And even if you do something stupid with it, you live in the dorm. So you still have a roof over your head. Um, You still have food because you might have training tables or, you know, stuff like that. So um, we really want to educate athletes on the importance of money management and just how to track your inflow and outflow of money. So when you're no longer an athlete, you can set yourself up to be just financially just, you know, fit. The Life After Sports Conference is slated to take place next June 2021 in Atlanta, Georgia. If you head to the ShakeOut LLC website and click on the tab in the upper corner called conference you can find all kinds of info on what to expect the venue and who will be speaking and well if that all hasn't teased you enough this life after sport expert herself offers up these nuggets of wisdom for those at any stage of the transition i would say there's a whole community of people that have gone through the transition are currently going through the transition or will go through the transition and for me, it's so important to connect with these people because these individuals want to set you up for success, want to help you, right? Um, and so if you're struggling in some facet, some capability, I would say really first, it might sound kind of like weird, but there's like a whole lot of us on Instagram and we're so like open and, and welcome to like talking to other people that are going through kind of the same things we went through. Um, But also I would say on a business standpoint, aside from the community on a business standpoint, if you are a junior or a senior, or if you're, you know, a year plus removed from athletics, make sure you have a LinkedIn and make sure Mm -hmm. that you're educating yourself on LinkedIn. um, Because if you have an Instagram, that's great. But if you don't have a job and you have an Instagram, you don't have a a LinkedIn, there's a problem because LinkedIn is the number one business um, platform for like social media platform. And so it's really important that you invest your time developing relationships like business relationships um, and connecting with people intentionally with a purpose. And oh, wait, there's more. James has been developing something else unprecedented to serve the retired athlete community. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I didn't mention in this interview is I'm actually in the process of creating my first app. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have it all going on on your plate. Listen, I'm really bored during the quarantine. <laughs> I, like, what do you do during the quarantine? Oh, I just developed an app. No big deal. <laughs> um, but because for the question that you literally asked, the, the app is called S-Connect. So it's ShakeOut Connect for short, but we're calling it S-Connect because it, it's an app where we're connecting athletes 
with service providers to set them up for success as they navigate through the transition. So So if you're looking for a mental health therapist, a sports psychologist, a personal trainer, um, a dietitian, a nutritionist, a life coach, or even just simply community, other friends that are in your area area or played your sport, um, that's the purpose of the application just to connect people. Um, and so that's why to your, to your question, I was like, you can go on Instagram and find pages or like for my app, you can join the app once I launch it and literally get connected with your people. Cause we're a whole like life after sports squad here. I don't care if I've never met you, if I've met you once or twice, like we're all kind of like a huge family here trying to navigate this, you know, this transition, um, in our own different ways. So is there going to be a feature like connected with playoff dating app so we can find our former athlete future partners or? Listen, Mike, because I mean, the, the founder and CEO, Amanda McGrew, is one of my friends. So we might have to do some type of something. Uh, we'll see. But also, I recommend for those people that are struggling, um, definitely come to the conference because you'll find your people there. Um, you'll learn so much from our speakers. Amanda is one of the speakers as well. Um, and so it's, it's going to be an annual thing. We're even going to play with the idea of, of having um, a virtual component. So if people can't mm-hmm. join in person, they can join virtually and have access to the, the sessions and all that stuff. So that's definitely my recommendation um, because I'm working so hard to create things for us as athletes when we're struggling with life after sports. When you walk away from sport, you walk away from a team. Something that's likely been so intrinsic to your existence that you took it for granted since you were five or six years old. Through all its services, the conference, the app, what ShakeOut is looking to provide is a team. A team that you can maybe virtually huddle with and turn to and say, Look at all the amazing things we can do. We're going to crush this. And when you cheer in that huddle and disperse to go take on the world, you know where to come back to, to get a pep talk, to feel the hard feelings, to learn. And the best part that makes ShakeOut so unlike sport, there's no getting too old for it or the fear that you'll be left out if you get injured and you can't be a part of the team in the same way. There's no four-year eligibility cap. It's got your back for the long haul. To learn more about ShakeOut, check out ShakeoutLLC.com. Thank you to Classy James for coming on to the podcast, and thank you for listening. Hope to see you next time.